0: Well, I grew up in a family that didn't really go to the doctor. Um, I mean, we did, but not if we could help it. And about nine times out of ten, we could help it. So I'm not exactly sure why, it just really wasn't a habit for us. Uh, My parents just assumed we could sort of handle most things on our own. So regardless of illness or injury, most of the time the response was either go lie down, go take some Tylenol, or, you know, rub a little dirt in it and be more careful next time. It's kind of like tough love meets small-town pragmatism, you know. And we survived, obviously. But if we ever found ourselves in a hospital, you knew something was wrong. (laughs) In fact, the only time I can remember ever being taken to a clinic was when I was in sixth grade, and I was running around in the dark one night at a friend's house, and uh, I managed to run right into the corner of a two-by-four and I split my face open right across the bridge of my nose. And I was running so hard, I actually literally knocked myself out. So I woke up with people just standing over me. And even then, we didn't even go to the ER, we just went to the urgent care. And they put some glue on it and sent me home. But I grew up learning that you only went to the doctor if you were like a real mess, something was really, really wrong. Otherwise, you were fine. I mean, you handled it. You figured it out. And I'm pretty sure that this sort of pull-it-together-you're-fine type of attitude has stuck with me into adulthood. Uh, Because in general, still today, I'm pretty bad at asking for help when I need it. Or, you know, admitting when I'm actually a real mess. Uh, It's kind of a weak muscle for me. And I would bet that I'm probably not the only one. You know, it seems that many of us have a hard time asking for help whether that's from a doctor, or a parent, or a friend, or a spouse, because asking for help feels vulnerable. Right? Especially if we've been brought up with a, like a can-do attitude, having to admit that we can't do something on our own can make us feel embarrassed or even ashamed. For me, the temptation is to think I'm not good enough, or I'm not capable enough, or I'm not smart enough. There must be a deficiency in me, or else I'd be able to figure this out. You know, forget that I'm human. I'd rather have everyone think that I'm perfect and have superpowers. (laughs) I'm actually fairly confident that if I were to walk around in Jesus' day, I would get along pretty well with the Pharisees, which is unfortunate because they get a pretty bad rap in the stories. But they seem to have it all figured out. They stick to the rules. They do what they're supposed to do, and they hold it together. The problem is that Jesus, who was their long-awaited Savior and Messiah, came to be a doctor. He came for the ones that were sick, and He healed them, and He ate with them, and He told them, follow me. He didn't come for the righteous, the ones that had it all together. He came for the sinners. And this response that he gives to the Pharisees in this passage that Jared just read for us, it makes sense. It's the sinners who need a savior, just like it's the ones who are sick who need a doctor. But it's also a little bit tongue-in-cheek because in reality, Jesus knows that we are all sinners. We all need a savior and a doctor. None of us can handle this life All by ourselves. None of us is actually a perfect human with superpowers, much to our dismay. But Paul reminds us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what do you think about this word sin or sinner? What assumptions do you make about the words sin and sinner? How do they make you feel? Is anyone willing to actually share? Yeah, vulnerable. Guilty, Guilty. yeah. Dirty, Dirty. Mm -hmm. mm-hmm. What was that? Incomplete. Incomplete. Yeah, weak, right, (laughs) right. Yeah, if I had to guess, it sounds like most of us associate the term sin or sinner with some sort of of failure almost. Uh, Embarrassment, guilt, shame, judgment maybe, disgust, it's uncomfortable. It feels ugly and hateful or wrong or unlovable. Sin is not something that we're proud of. But did any of us associate the word sinner with humility? Or with longing? Or with grace? Because much to the Pharisee's surprise, that's what Jesus associated it with. Jesus understands that sin is a symptom. It's a symptom of the separation that exists between us and God. Let's say you were to accidentally cut off the end of your finger. You would immediately go to the doctor, right? Because without that reconnection, without the things that your finger needs, the blood and the oxygen, the nutrients, the nerves, that finger will die. Well, the same is true with us as human beings. When we're cut off from God, who is our life source, our creator, we die. We're not made to survive on our own. Without God's goodness and life and love in us, we will inevitably do harm to ourselves and to one another. And if we're gonna be put right or be healed, We need a doctor, and Jesus is our doctor. He came for the ones that were sick. He came for the sinners who needed healing. He came to repair the separation and the brokenness that exists in us. And as a good doctor, he doesn't look at his patients and think, oh, shame on them for needing care. He looks at us and thinks, here is someone who is lost and in pain, and needs help. And then he looks us straight in the eye and he says, follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. We're going to be looking at a lot of texts from the gospel of Luke over this season of Lent, all of them describing meals that Jesus ate with various folks. This particular story of Jesus eating at a banquet at Levi's house is the first one that Luke records. And in it, Jesus is sharing a feast with tax collectors and sinners. He makes it very clear who he he came to be here for. The irony of the story is that the Pharisees are sinners too. They just don't know it. Or maybe they do know it, but it's too difficult to admit. Or maybe they've convinced themselves that they're managing the symptoms well enough on their own that they don't actually need a savior because they've got it. Whatever the case may be, it's not their actual lack of need that keeps them from following Jesus. It's their lack of awareness or acknowledgement of that need that holds them back. But the ones who know that they have a deep need, who know that they are broken, who ache, for the Savior to heal them and make them right with God, those are the ones that Jesus shows compassion to. Those are the ones that he heals and spends time with. They're the ones who leave everything to follow him. The tax collectors and sinners share a meal with him at the banquet at Levi's house. The same type of banquet that we get to share together every Sunday, or one Sunday a month, I should say, when we take communion together. They celebrate in the presence of the one who gives them life. But Jesus also told these Pharisees who were watching that the time will come when he, their bridegroom, will no longer be around with them. And in those days, he says, they will fast. And this is part of why we fast today, during Lent, and at other times. Christ is no longer with us, even though we know he's coming back. Fasting is a practice that God's people do as we ache for his return, as we continually practice repentance and surrendering. We keep acknowledging again and again our need for a healer and a savior. And in doing so, we are able to then prepare our hearts for his great sacrifice on our behalf on the cross. The ashes that we'll receive later in this service remind us that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. But for the grace of Jesus, who gives us new life. We are sinners, saved by grace. But no matter our failings, no matter that we all are a real mess, we are loved by Jesus. And he still says to each of us, repent and follow me pray. Lord, we don't often like to acknowledge our need for help. We're part of a culture that values progress and independence and self-sufficiency. We're taught that we're supposed to be able to take one on the chin and handle it on our own. But Lord, all of us know somewhere in our hearts, even if we don't like to acknowledge it, that that is not what we are capable of. That no matter how hard we try or what we do, there is always something in us that aches for you to come and fill that place in our heart where we know that God should be. That aches to be able to lay down our lives and just let you pick it up. Lord, thank you for this reminder, this rhythm during the year that invites us to come and just put ourselves down before you at your cross, to look inward, to think about what it means to be a sinner in need of repentance. To lean on you desperately. So Lord, open our hearts And invite us to come because you are not the God who comes with judgment or with guilt or with condemnation. You are the healer who comes to remedy our hearts, to make us whole, and to bring us to God the Father. In your name we pray. Amen.